Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Senio. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Guys, there's been a movement for more positivity on Twitter, and I am opposite of that. Let's get more negativity on Twitter. I, that, that one seems like uh, kind of low hanging fruit. You're blocked. Boom. <laughs> <Next. laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised you haven't blocked me yet, James. You just kind of. You Start haven't noticed blocking it. people in. That's right. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we're trying to do an intro here, man. Block you back. That is Stompy Sam Lane. Did you know the real Paul McCartney died in 1966? A Paul McCartney blocked, blocked, blocked. You're all blocked. Oh, I'm here for this. I am John. Mariota is Goff. Hogue. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. This is going to like, this is going to, I'm blocking you. This (laughs) is going to take over this goddamn podcast. It is. That's the plan. Until until I am vindicated and proven right. Oh boy. Somebody has to, has to advocate for Marcus Mariota. Well, it's you and Outhouse right now. No, the thing is, no one does. No one has to, John. It's not your job. It's not your responsibility, Flacco. Don't do it. <laughs> someone's, someone's got to do it, though. I, it, it, yeah. Someone, this, it, it has to be done. We cannot just all agree that Marcus Mariota is a bad quarterback. That just does not work. We do but, it with Winston. Well, yeah, because he sucks. Jameis Winston <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> it's okay that we all agree on that one all right but so this week we've got some uh some players that we're gonna we're all gonna advocate for a little bit uh some of them we're gonna agree on some of them we're not so this is a continuation from last week when we talked about some players whose situations have gotten worse in the offseason if you haven't heard that episode go check that one out first uh, there was some very interesting conversation there, but this week we're going to talk about some players whose situations actually improved this offseason between free agency, the NFL draft, etc. So we've got a handful of players, three each, that we're going to talk about. Let's jump right in, boys, and let's start with Stompy. So I'm going to start with a quarterback here, and it's not like this this guy needs improvement i mean he is my qb2 in dynasty and that's andrew luck he i believe he had the second most passes in the league last season showing us that his shoulder is healthy despite jacoby Brissett having to come in game one and throw that hail mary but if you look at last season he really only had two targets that you could trust he had ty hilton and he had 
the bane of <laughs> the Superflex Super Show's existence, Eric Ebron. And now he gets, I mean, even though he's still not healthy, he gets Jack Doyle back, who is the better, the better tight end on this team. Correct. Uh, he gets another red zone target and a really, I feel, an underrated wide receiver and an underrated signing in Devin Funches. I mean, we've seen what he can do with a bad, and I shouldn't say bad quarterback, a lesser thrower than Andrew Luck. So you get a more accurate quarterback in Andrew Luck versus Cam Newton. But even in his best season with Cam Newton, he had 840 yards and eight touchdowns. I don't know if you can expect that, but I still think that Funches is a good wide receiver. And they add Paris Campbell in the draft, which I think is going to be a fantastic um, receiver to kind of move around the uh, formation with T.Y. Hilton, confused defenses, a good underneath guy that can uh, that's fast. So you have a lot more weapons around Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck was still the – QB four last season. So while I don't know how much better he can be, he's just got a lot more weapons, which means that that offense is going to be more dynamic. And I'm going to say this, and it might be a little bit sacrilegious just in terms of my, who, who I like, but he could be the QB one next season uh, with the loss of Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs, or or I guess the potential loss of Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I definitely don't hate don't hate on that. I think there's there's the potential to be QB one is there. Um, I, I I think you know to get Paris Campbell the ball deep, Jacoby Brissett's going to have some value. Um, no, uh, no, more or less just kidding. But no, I, I, I like luck. I do. And they, they definitely improved his situation. I, you're absolutely right. The Funches signing is one that flies under the radar. And it's because we know what he is. Um, and we don't know what guys like Campbell are. And so we have these, these you know, high expectations for him. And we don't know who he is. We don't know what he's going to be. Uh, Funches, I think, adds an immediate uh, red zone threat that they needed because outside of Ebron, they didn't have anyone. You don't know what Doyle's health is going to be. And how long do you want to continue counting on Eric Ebron? Um, I, I don't know that that's something that you're going to to uh, to want to do very often. So we're that last year, but I think uh, the Funches signing is definitely something that's going to help them and continued, you know, development in the running game. Marlon Mack's second year in the in the system, I think, is going to help. That offensive line is getting better. Um, so yeah, no, I think the Colts overall are looking awfully, awfully good and uh, much better than they did last year, even. Um, so yeah, no, I like the call with Andrew Luck. Plus, you get Deion Kane back. I I think that there there could be a training camp battle there between Deion Kane and Paris Campbell. And I think that that's a great thing for Andrew Luck. It's, it's going to suck for somebody, uh, one of those two wide receivers and for their dynasty owners. But, um, I, I mean, you're, you're going to get the better of the, those two young wide receivers uh, for Andrew Luck. So, I mean, yeah, overall, I've got to agree with this. I do feel like I should maybe play a devil's advocate a little bit, though, uh, even though I don't totally buy into this part of it. But... I mean, first of all, this receiving core is going to be extremely young and untested. And certainly, I mean, not a whole lot of familiarity with Andrew Luck. 
But also the other thing is, I mean, I think that there could be an even greater commitment to the running game coming here. Uh, you know, Marlon Mack in particular, but you know, we could, we could see some, some Spencer Ware and Jordan Wilkins, uh, not to a point of being fantasy relevant, but enough to, to eat into, you know, Andrew Luck's workload. I can't imagine that they want him to throw the ball as much as he did last season. Sam, do you think Spencer Ware can eat into uh, Marlon Mack's carries? You you want to <laughs> see me lose my mind or hear me lose my mind? No. <laughs> what? I don't know who in their right mind thinks that Spencer Ware is like, like, listen, he had a good season before he had the concussions and he hasn't been anything since he had the knee injury. I mean, Damian Williams basically, t- I, and I, and I understand there were shoulder injuries involved, but Damian Williams took over for him last season and outperformed him. Like Spencer wears an insurance policy. And if you take a look at what Marlon Mack was last season, he was fantastic. And if you look at what he was in college at uh, South Florida, I believe, or is it central? I can't, I never remember if it's central or South Florida, but regardless, he, he was a fantastic running back in college. He f- and he and he showed up again last season. So anybody who thinks Spencer Ware is like a threat to Marlon Mack is out of their minds. So I, I guess uh, we should have said spoiler alert because my first guy that I think his situation improved was Marlon Mack. I don't feel like they brought any any real competition for him. And yes, I'm looking at you, Spencer Ware, when I say that. I'm not worried about Spencer Ware from a Marlon Mack standpoint. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is more just the running game as a whole. I think that you've got a little bit more complete committee than you had last year. And I think that you've got motivation there to keep the the passing attempts down for Andrew Luck. I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine that that's the way they wanted last season to go. For the guy to come back off of major shoulder surgery to a point where there was talk about him never throwing a football again. And he comes back and throws the highest number of attempts of his life. I I can't imagine that that was the script. And I, I, and I think that that's got to come down. And I think that there's a, a, a very viable path to making that happen, which is through the running game. So I, as much as I still believe that Andrew Luck's situation improved, uh, to me, that's just that's that's the flip side of this. That's where this could potentially go wrong is, you know, first of all, the the lack of familiarity between Luck and most of his targets, most of his weapons. And then, you know, just a commitment to the running game that I'm sure Frank Reich would like to to get into some more. So I don't know. Like, do you guys do you guys put any viability into that at all? I so six hundred thirty nine passes a lot. I mean, it's tough to break six hundred, but I still think you're going to see luck in the top. And it, it's really hard to say. I would say top ten. I, I don't. They struggled the, to the first half of the season last season. So they were playing from behind a lot. There were two games that I believe he, there was one game. I know he broke 60 pass attempts and there was another that he had over 50. And I think they were in back-to-back games. So definitely I don't expect that. And again, I think it'll be hard to surpass 600 
passing attempts again, but I do think 550 uh, is definitely in play there. Um, so yeah, I, I think I agree uh, that they're going to reduce the workload, but with the weapons that he has, I think he could be more efficient with those passing attempts. Um, there it is. Yeah. I mean, I, and the other thing is, I mean, this, to start the season, he had a really, really low adjusted yards per attempt. Right. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was extremely low. It was in the neighborhood of five yards per attempt. Yeah, I would I would have to look. Um, by the way, Marlon Mack, when he came back from injury in week six, from week six on, he was the RB10. So that's the other thing is Marlon Mack was out effectively the first six weeks, and Jordan Wilkins was relatively ineffective. So you give Marlon Mack those six weeks back, those pass attempts probably are reduced, especially those games where he threw or uh, Lux, those those games that Luck threw for 60 and 50-plus pass attempts. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely agree here that Marlon Mack's and, – and I think his situation just got better because they didn't sign anybody of consequence even though they were linked to guys like Lev Bell. Um, and then they didn't – draft anybody now this doesn't say anything about the future in 2020 because we i mean we every podcast out there every analyst out there has talked about the 2020 running back class and how a lot of people or a lot of guys with jobs right now are going to be supplanted by that 2020 class so i i wouldn't be surprised if marlon mack is one of those guys but i mean if he's effective if he is in a, a top 12 rb running back uh, that may not be the case but that that's for a different discussion so yeah i mean the fact that they didn't draft like a miles sanders a david montgomery a josh jacobs and they only signed spencer Ware uh tells me that they believe in marlon mack and uh i think he's a fantastic rb2 at the very least nice so we kind of killed two birds with one stone there because like I said, my first guy was going to be Marlon Mack. Well, I think we pretty much covered him. Uh, I, unless you've got anything to say on that, James. Otherwise, let's hear your guy. Yeah, no, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, I, I agree with everything you guys said. So um, I'm going to go to one of my favorites that everybody loves to hate on. So I expect you guys to all hate on it. Um, but Ronald Jones is my guy. And again, no matter how you feel about him, uh, just his situation, just analyzing his situation um, Peyton Barber comes back for a one-year deal, um, but Bruce Arians has talked him up the entire time he's come in. And now, speaking of Bruce Arians, he actually gets to play in an offense that is going to highlight the running back position, at least it did in the past in previous uh, previous visits that Bruce Arians was at. So we look at Arizona and we look at what David Johnson did, not only running the ball, but in the passing game. And Bruce Arians has praised Ronald Jones thus far in his pass catching ability. Again, I don't believe everything that I hear in the offseason from these coaches, but it does seem like they're at least giving him a chance because look, the previous regime didn't even 
didn't praise him. I mean, we heard all sorts of negative things about Ronald Jones from that coaching staff. And uh, so to hear some positive news on Ronald Jones definitely is an encouraging sign. But you just look at the offense in general. This guy is coming into a more positive situation. Again, the really only competition that he has is the same competition he had last year. And it's, again, a one-year deal, and that's Peyton Barber. So um, there's no long-term viability option there that he has to overcome. It's not like they added anybody you know, with any type of draft capital in the draft. So you look at Ronald Jones's situation, and I think it improves a lot. Um, they also, you know, I mean, the receiver position is a little bit different. You know, Deshaun Jackson is gone. Deshaun Jackson, uh, what he did was he could turn one play, he could turn a drive into a one play drive because that's what he did, especially early on with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that just kills drives, you know, that, that takes away opportunity. Um, when you're doing that, you know, the defense is on the field, they're trying to get a stop. The offense comes on the field, Two plays later, they've scored a touchdown because of deep bomb to Deshaun Jackson, and then the defense back on the field. So I expect for longer drives, and I expect for Arnold Jones to be involved a little bit more. I think his situation, no matter how you feel about the player, his situation has definitely improved. Um, am I crazy on that, guys? Or what do you guys feel about Ronald Jones' situation? I actually like Ronald Jones. I it's tough to say if his situation improved. I would say it did just because Dirk Cutter's no, not there anymore. Uh, it, it definitely seemed like Dirk Cutter did not like Ronald Jones. That was a front office pick and not a coach pick. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you ignore the college stats. Like, yes, I get it. He wasn't a pass catcher. I'm not saying, and, and, and I don't, I'm not one to say, oh, that means he can't catch passes. And I understand there were some preseason issues, but I, I just, I don't, I think his career just started off on the wrong foot with, with Dirk Cutter. So I like the situation because I think he gets a brand new, uh, or he gets a, he gets another chance with, with, I think, a well, I, I think we all know a better head coach. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know if Tampa Bay really did anything this offseason to bolster that offensive line, um, which is a concern for me because uh, they were atrociously bad um, last season and which was part of the issues with not only, not only Ronald Jones but with Peyton Barber as well. So I think he – I'll say this. I think he has a better chance this season than he did last season. But you have guys like Peyton Barber, who is actually a good running back. Uh, they brought in Kerwin Williams, which is familiar with Arian's system. Uh, and then you have the uh, undrafted uh, free agent rookie in Bruce Anderson, who has had a successful career. His final two seasons, he ran for over 2,000 yards on about six yards per carry. He also had uh, 20 receptions for over um, over 350 yards in those final two seasons in North, at North Dakota State. So I think there's more and better competition, but I do think Ronald Jones has a better chance this season than he did last season. Man, looking at this show sheet here and looking at some of the names we're going to be talking about in this episode – we're kind of falling into a theme here that's making me really uneasy. We're going to agree on a lot of these and uh, just kind of across the board, we're going to end up agreeing on a lot of these. And it feels pretty weird. I got to be honest. There's got to be somewhere in here. There's got to be something that we disagree on, but it's not this one. Cause 
I mean, I, I was, I was pretty high on Ronald Jones coming out of USC. I, I felt like the pass catching stuff was pretty overblown. Uh, I think that I thought that the size thing was pretty overblown. And I think that he's got an opportunity here in a far better offense. That's actually, you know, much more tailored to, to fit his skill set. Uh, I think that I, I mean, Peyton Barber is just a guy and they didn't do anything else to address the position. Yeah. I I'm, I've, I'm ending up with Ronald Jones in a lot of startups. Let's put it that way. Just based on how far he's falling and how high to me, the ceiling is for him. So uh, yeah, this, uh, we won't spend too much time on that one because uh, again, uh, I mean, when we're just agreeing on everything, it's, it's not nearly as much fun. So we should move on and, and see if we can find one that uh, actually sparks some debate. All right, Stomp, what do you got here? Can you, uh, can you provide someone that's going to, going to get us, uh, get us going here? Spark a, spark a, a debate. I doubt it. Uh, my next one's Andy Dalton for now. I mean, who knows what the future holds for Andy Dalton, but this is going for 2019 at the very least. Um, so I guess first and foremost, he's, he's healthy or getting healthy. He has a, uh, I, I don't know if we can say a better offensive mind, but then again, the Marvin, Marvin Jones or not Marvin Jones, Marvin, uh, I just lost his name. Yeah. That guy, the guy <laughs> that was just fired. Lewis, Marvin, yeah, Lewis. Marvin Lewis. That was Mar- weird. It, like when you locked up and it just kind of created a, a tidal wave through here. <laughs> nobody, nobody could figure out what the hell you were talking about. Well, he's not memorable at this point. Um, yeah, he, he kind of never was. But, yeah. So the the guy Mar- who never won a playoff game. Yeah, Marvin Marvin Lewis and staff, and I think it was Bill Lazor at one point, and I don't remember who other, who his other OCs were are gone. You now have a uh, Zach Taylor, uh, the QB coach for. Uh, Sean McVay, a Sean McVay disciple, if you will. And I, it, like I said, it's hard to gauge whether it's an upgrade or not, just because Zach Taylor was, like I said, the QB coach for a season. Maybe, maybe he was a two seasons under um, Sean McVay. And we don't necessarily know what his play calling is. We don't necessarily know if he had an effect on Jared Goff or not, I mean, I, I think he, he probably did just because he was a QB coach, but um, so, so that's a question mark, but I just don't know how much worse you can get than a Marvin Lewis uh, and co offense. So, so you have that. So possible upgrade at, at um, offensive coordinator at head coach, uh, you get AJ Green back, a healthy AJ Green back. Tyler Boyd coming off of a career year, a, a uh, third year breakout. Joe Mixon, wh- hope, who who will hopefully be healthy, but I, I would say is t- a top ten dynasty running back at this point. One of the lone um, bell cow three down backs left in the league. And then you have guys like Gio Bernard, who are who are perennially perennially underrated. Um, you have guys like, uh, Travion Williams, who, who's going to step into Gio Bernard's role once Gio Bernard is gone after this season. 
Rodney Anderson, doubt he's going to play this season. They uh, have done things to upgrade that offensive line. Now, the only issue I guess I see on the offense is the tight end. But, I mean, when you have two or in really three legitimate pass catchers with Joe Mixon, I don't know how much you're going to use that tight end. So I, I just think the weapons around him are getting healthy. They have a better offensive line and, and likely a better um, offensive scheme in general. And I think Andy Dalton is in for a surprising year this season. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like Dalton's situation. Um, I guess it depends on when we're looking at it as far as improving because, you know, the beginning of last season, not a whole lot's changed. I mean, A.J. Green was coming back healthy. He still had Tyler Boyd. He still had Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard. We're not sure if it's an upgrade, like you stated, uh, Stompy, um, as far as, you know, the staff goes. Um, so, you know, the only thing that really kind of changed was there's some some less depth at the tight end position, and I'm not too worried about that when um, Eifert and, you know, uh, Tyler Croft are gone. I don't think those are names that you were counting on anyways. And uh, the running back depth did help you know, did get a little bit better with uh, Rodney Anderson and Travion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think when we look at it from the beginning of last season to the beginning of this season, I don't know a whole lot has changed. But if you do look at it from midseason, you know, last year, to, you know, when A.J. Green was hurt, um, you know, and, and, and Andy Dalton was a little banged up, and then, you know, you kind of look at, at, at it then and look at it now, then, yeah, I think his situation did get better. So it's interesting. I I, I – Love Dalton's situation. I think, you know, barring injury, which again, it can be said for a lot of players, but barring injury, which has been a bugaboo for the Bengals the past couple seasons, especially at the fantasy relevant positions. Um, you know, if they stay healthy, I think Andy Dalton is, uh, is ready to make a nice, ready to have a nice season. Um, so I do agree with you there. Um, I just don't know, you know, depending on when we look at it, how much his situation has really changed for the better. I mean, I think the fact. Well, so first of all, Tyler Eifert's back. So and then they take Drew Sample. Wait, in the what does that even mean? <laughs> what? Like, oh well, he's he he exists and is relatively healthy right now. Well, I mean, he moment. was he's he's been a a major red zone target for Andy Dalton in the past. I'm trying to make your case for. No, no, no. I, I get it. Well, here I'll make my own case, but I just <laughs> I think that's funny. I, I I view Tyler Eifert as kind of a Schrodinger's cat scenario, like he exists both Whoa. injured and not injured at the same point in time. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. Is well, we he hasn't not been nice. on. The, we haven't seen uh, Tyler Eifert for a while. He might be injured. He might not be injured. Who knows? Man, you're so arrogant sometimes. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyways, so yeah, I mean, between Eifert potentially coming back for a period of time until his next injury, how about that? Does that, does that work? And fair then enough, fair enough. CJ Uzoma, and then they take Drew Sample, which I mean. Blocking it, tight end Drew Sample. <laughs> but they took a blocking tight end in the second round. I don't think that they took him with the intention of having him block. I, I I don't disagree with uh, you know with with your scouting of Drew Sample here. I'm just saying that every now and then draft capital can actually tell us something, and I think Drew Sample is going to be on the on the field enough to you know to to be a part of this offense uh, and to be a potential weapon for Andy Dalton. 
so I mean they're they're all of a sudden they're pretty deep at tight end. You get AJ Green back healthy to go along with Tyler Boyd in you know year the first year after the breakout, and now you've got John Ross going into a breakout season. And and I mean and or Josh Malone I suppose. So I, I mean they're they're in in. I'm still waiting on Cody Core. Is he even still there? I guess Stan, I don't know. Stanley that. Morgan Jr. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I mean, some there's there's still the potential for somebody else to to pop in this offense. I mean, it and and even if it doesn't, I mean, just the fact that you really didn't have AJ Green and Tyler Boyd on the field at the same time for a lot of 2018. You know, you had a handful of games from them, but and especially with both of them healthy. So, yeah, I mean, this it, it, it looks like the, the arrow is just pointing up for Andy Dalton. It's just amazing that we're still so down on him in our super flex leagues. It, it, it's uh, uh, and it 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 makes me a little bit leery of him just because we did the same thing last year with Eli Manning. We looked around and saw all these weapons and said, okay, well, either we're over overestimating these weapons of his or we're underestimating him, which is it? And it ended up being that we we had him pegged that he was not going to have a good season. We just didn't accept that that was also going to affect his wide receivers. It could it could go either way with Andy Dalton, and I actually think that he's in for a pretty big year here with the the weapons that he has. But I think that there is we we do need to keep in mind that there there are some forces at play here that could make this go the other way. I, he is he is working with a brand new system. I mean, I, even though it's a more offensive minded system that Zach Taylor brings over, it's still. I mean, it, there's still a process there of learning the system. Everything comes comes back to Marcus Mariota, by the way. Everything it oh. takes time to learn an offensive system. You got to give these guys a year sometimes. Oh my God! <laughs> it's not even. We don't even. Okay, I, I, I'm no, no. Marcus Mariota nope. is Andy Dalton. Nope. It's like it's like the Mad Max. <laughs> the Mad Max. That that's bait. Absolutely not, John. Yeah, it's so um, bait. Uh, so I, I, I guess just J- James made a good point that like from the beginning of last season to this season may much may not have changed in terms of personnel, but we have since seen a Tyler Boyd breakout. Um, so that's definitely helpful. Um, we've seen a coaching change, which I think is definitely helpful. And then the other thing, I mean, and let's build a narrative around the Zach Taylor and, and the Sean McVay offense, if you will. You have the personnel to maybe not at the level that the Los Angeles Rams execute it, but you have the personnel to execute that type of offense. You have Joe Mixon, a three down back. You have a very capable slot receiver in Tyler Boyd. You have a very capable possession X receiver in AJ Green. Um, Probably better than Robert Woods. What well, probably he is better than Robert Woods. <laughs> um, and then in in I think I think Jerry's still out on on John Ross. I just don't think that they ever really knew how to use him because last year he had did he have eight touchdowns last season? And most of them, true. I think it might be, and 
if that, and most of them, I believe were in the red zone. And that tells me that they weren't, they, sorry, you had seven touchdowns last season. Holy hell. Yeah. So, and most of them were in the, like <laughs> I said, we're in the red zone. So you're not using him to his strengths. Like he is a Brandon cooks type of receiver. Use his speed. Mm-hmm. And now you have a coach that has, has learned or ha- has been in that type of scheme where you could use all three of these right receivers. I would not be surprised to see them have a, an ex- a significant portion of their snaps be taken in the 11 personnel next season. Seven touchdowns on 21 receptions. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I would have to look, but I, I believe, I mean, I, I don't know. I'll just have to look at red zone targets, but I'm pretty sure that most of them were on red zone targets. I mean, it's got to be. He his longest reception was 39 yards. He averaged 10 yards per reception. Yeah, I mean, it, it. This all has to be pretty short distance type stuff. So that just, I mean, that tells me that they weren't using him correctly. I mean, he wasn't given a chance his his rookie season. So give me a guy who has learned where, like all all three of their uh, their projected starting right receivers fit the same um, roles as you would see in the Los Angeles Rams. And and that's a narrative you can tell yourself. Now, I, are they going to be as successful? I doubt it. But, I mean, you could tell yourself – you can build a narrative around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I – and I, I ultimately agree with all of this. Again, just kind of like Andrew Luck, trying to play devil's advocate a little bit because I do think that they're – there there could be a learning a learning curve for Andy Dalton in the Zach Taylor offense. Uh, I, I I think that we'd love to just kind of jump on the narrative that offensive-minded head coach, you know, means a bump for all of the offense. And it actually what 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 actually tends to happen is when an offensive-minded co you know, an offensive coordinator or an offensive-minded um position coach takes over as head coach, actually the side of the field that ends up being the best is the defensive side. That that tends to happen because all of a sudden, I mean, you're you're seeing a much, a much more intricate system every day in practice. And then, you know, you go out on the field and this, you know, Jacksonville with Blake Bortles can't do anything close to what your offense has been doing to you all week. So I, I I think that there's a potential here for Andy Dalton to have a big year. And in fact, that's the way I tend to lean and, and for a John Ross breakout to come as well. But um, I, I think that we might have to temper expectations a little bit uh, just on the off chance that, that there's some growing pains there, but maybe we should move on to the next one here. I've got David Johnson is my second one hammering on the running back position tonight, by the way, no idea how that happened, but um, saying nothing but nice things about running backs, in fact, because to me, David Johnson, you know, the the offensive line isn't necessarily going to be a whole lot better than it was last year, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be anymore. You've got a much more mobile quarterback and the opportunity for some run pass option. You've got, you know, Cliff Kingsbury coming in and implementing the quote-unquote air raid system, the the passing attack, uh, and then, you know, give him weapons everywhere. But 
I mean, there's just like Dalton, there's there's a learning curve here, and it's a lot steeper for this entire Arizona offense because you've got a bunch of young wide receivers. You've got a rookie quarterback who's going to be looking to dump off or run on on all of his dropbacks. And then you've got David Johnson, the the solid, steady presence of David Johnson, who you can use him in the passing game, you can use him in the running game. I think just in general, I think we're looking at a lot more volume for David Johnson than what he got last year when he was still a, a running back one. So all of a sudden, I I think that there's there's the opportunity to ease into this system using David Johnson to do so, using him as as kind of the vehicle to get to what you're trying to do for the future and do so by putting a huge workload on him. And there's not as much that the defense can do about that as last year. You can't load the box against this offense anymore. You don't have to worry necessarily about Kyler Murray in the passing game, but you still have to account for the fact that all of a sudden this quarterback can run. And so, and it means that you've got to devote way more of your defensive resources to the quarterback into the passing game in general. I think David Johnson has a lot more room to work this year. Yeah. I think this is going to be the one that's going to cause a little bit of a spark here because I, nice. I, yeah, I, I totally disagree. I, I think totally? the running quarterback, totally the, the first off you're, you're, you nailed it. The offensive line has not changed much. It's not any better. And it was bad last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarterback being able to, to move and to be mobile just takes away dump down attempts that David Johnson would otherwise get. I mean, normally when you're a quarterback and you're in the pocket and you feel pressure, you have that safety valve, that David Johnson, the the receptions that that guy's going to add up. But when you have a mobile quarterback that can escape that and elude that, I think he's going to be looking downfield or he's going to be looking to make a play with his legs as opposed to dumping it off to David Johnson. So I think that hurts him big time. I also think this offense, I mean, look at what they did in the draft. They added pass catcher after pass catcher. It looks to me like they want to spread the field out and they want to, they want to throw the ball. They want to chuck it around. And I think this team's not going to be very good again. Um, I could see them having to throw the ball, being down a lot, and that being the narrative. And if David Johnson is faded a little bit more in the passing game, then I think his numbers are going to go down. His usage is going to go down, and I could see his total touches going down too. So as much as I love David Johnson as a player, I think as a fantasy asset, I'm staying away. Um, I, I don't know that his situation improved. I think Arizona's did. I don't know if his did. So I'll say this, just just in terms of them wanting to throw the ball more. Johnson Johnson's issue or DJ's la- issue last season was that he was just not used the way that he was in 2016, and that's in terms of lining up um, to, uh, I, I guess, in the slot or or running routes. And I I would have to look back, but I believe um last season actually i have it right here so he only lined up as a receiver seven percent of the time last season and but he in 2016 he lined up as a as a wide receiver 20 percent of the time so i think that was the issue last season yes the the offensive line was was garbage and and i do think that the presence of um of murray will help with that he only had i believe a 3.6 yards per carry last season so I think that'll help. I think they'll be more efficient. 
um, in terms of running the ball, especially because I doubt Clint Kingsbury is just going to continue to call runs up the middle like um, McCoy did last season. But I also think that he can be, or and, and Kingsbury will be more creative with Johnson, moving him around uh, this the uh, line or or uh, lining up uh, him up outside and and as a receiver. So that's where he, I mean, he is arguably the best pass catching running back in the league. Um, and I think that, like I said, Kingsbury will line him up as a receiver a lot more than he and then uh, DJ did last season. So I think, I don't know how much it got better. Um, well, that's not true. I think it did get better because I think they're going to be more efficient running the ball. And I think Johnson's going to line up a lot more as a wide receiver. So I do agree with John here. Yeah. Now we just need to work on Marcus. Nope. Mariota. Nope. <laughs> work. Never going to happen. We'll get there. We're gonna. Get are both there. wrong. Finally, I can. <laughs> I can. I can justify the David Johnson hate. 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 Yeah, hate. 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 <laughs> You're nuts. You're nuts. All right. Let's. Uh, let's hear your next one, James. Yeah, my next one. I'm going to go to the quarterback position, and <clears throat> I'm going to go to Derek Carr and. Really, again, this is another one where you may feel a certain way about the player, but I'm just looking at the situation. And obviously, they improved his the talent around him tenfold, right? I mean, they have a running game now. You would think with Josh uh, adding Josh Jacobs in the draft, they didn't really have a, a, a solid running back there, so they add a young playmaker that they're high on. They also sign Antonio Brown. They bring in or trade for Antonio Brown. They signed uh, Tyrell Williams. So, I mean, they they really improved. The, uh, the situation around Derek Carr, they're, they're really trying to help him out by bringing in playmakers. Um, and I think just the supporting cast is better. I mean, the uh, the supporting cast should be better. The defense should be better. The division in a whole, uh, as a whole, I think got worse. Um, I think you can make a claim that Denver got better. Well, okay. I almost called you out for that. I no, no, no. That, but, but, I mean, come on. Can we, can we say that the Chiefs, I mean, I think the Chiefs look like they may be a, a little worse, if not a lot worse. I mean, defensively, they're missing some key pieces now. Offensively, they could be missing their top wide receiver for a, a, a good portion. And, you know, even last year they had, you know, for, for part of the year, they had, you know, a top running back. And we don't really know what they've got in that situation either. So I'm just looking at that team and then looking at the Chargers, who I, I think, you know, have done some good and some bad in the offseason. I think they've lost some playmakers, but they've added some too. So I just, I don't know what to make of that team. I don't know that they got a ton better. Um, but but I think I think with Kansas City falling back to the rest of the pack, Oakland catching up, I think Derek Carr is in a better situation. Um, I really do. I think um, he's not going to be asked to do as much to keep his team in games. And I think that's right where Derek Carr needs to be. Um, he can get the ball into the hands of his playmakers and let them make plays now like Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams. I love the Foster uh, um, Foster Moreau signing or uh, draft pick. Um, I thought that was fantastic. He's, he's an athletic freak, uh, a guy who can do something at the tight end position. They definitely needed that with Jared Cook leaving. Um, but all in all, I think the supporting cast is a whole lot better around Derek Carr, and I think the situation definitely improved. What do you guys think? Is Derek Carr's situation that much better, or am I, uh, am I a little nuts here? So as much as I hate to say this, uh, the AFC, well, first and foremost, I'm going to say this. I think the AFC West is up there in terms of competitiveness this year. 
because regardless of what you say about what you think about Kansas City and, and the Tyreek Hill situation, they're still going to have a fantastic offense. They actually got better on defense in my mind. Uh, they just traded for like Darren Lee. Uh, they signed the Honey Badger. Uh, they traded for Frank Clark, who was better than D Ford, though they did get rid of um, Justin Houston. So uh, I think they actually got better um, as a football team, maybe a little bit worse on offense without Tyreek Hill. But yes, I, I do. Oakland, I think, did the most to improve their team this year. Uh, and, and that's on both sides of the ball. Um, as much as. Uh, as much flack as John Gruden got last season and even even uh, initial reactions to their draft, I think they did fantastic if you actually look at it. So, yes, Derek Carr gets two of the best uh, wide receivers he's had or combo of wide receivers he's had, arguably. I mean, yes, you could make an argument for Crabtree and Cooper, but I would take I would take uh, A.B. and Tyrell Williams over over those two. Uh, he's got a good pass catching running back uh, in Josh Jacobs. Uh, Foster Moreau is interesting. We'll see what he can do in his first season, but they got uh, better on the offensive liner that at least they tried to in, in terms of the first um, round pick. And then they got better on the defensive side. And I think that's an underrated part of this is that Derek Carr's not like, like James said, they're not going to have to rely on him to bring, to keep them in games and, and uh, bring them back because I think that defense got better. Um, so Derek Carr has better weapons around him, and there's just not there's not a lot of pressure on him to perform this season. So yes, I, I absolutely agree, and I, I think Derek Carr might be my favorite one on this list. Yeah, that one's a pretty easy one. I mean, I, I so I'm a little surprised to see James as the one bringing this up. I will say that because. Um, his, uh, his Raider hate actually has no bounds considering, especially being the one fan outside of the AFC West here. He, uh, hate, he's hate, 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 particularly <laughs> critical of the Raiders. And, and I mean, not even it, it, it wasn't always just one player either. I mean, you definitely don't like Amari Cooper, even now that he's, you know, out of the, out of Oakland. Uh, Vegas, whatever. Uh, but I mean, it was just kind of like institutional. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah. It, it it really all started, honestly, John, with the hiring of John Gruden. I was the first to say that I thought that was going to be a disaster. Yeah. And it's been every every bit of the disaster I thought it would be. So, <laughs> um, I think that's where it started. I wanted no part of the Raiders once I realized that they were bringing him in, and uh, I haven't regretted that situation. I'll just say that much. Yet. <laughs> yeah i'm uh, yeah. sure sure but at, at the same time if i start seeing things signs that i think they're going to turn things around i'm sure i could buy a whole lot lower than what some of those guys were going for you know at the time i said that so yeah i could live with that yeah but they do get a ton of speed on offense all of a sudden and they get a, a lot of versatility as well you know they go from I mean, kind of the 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 apex to this point had been Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. There's not a whole lot of athleticism there. That's just kind of get big, you know, and and win win jump balls and um, and you know get in front of defenders and and kind of box them out, square up the ball. 
like that that was kind of the game now all of a sudden you've got some actual speed with with brown and with tyrell williams and and these are both good route runners as well so yeah i mean this is kind of a this is a pretty easy one that Derek carr is in a much better situation than probably he's ever been as a pro even before john gruden so um as as hard as i'm sure that was for james to to give credit to the Raiders organization. I mean, I, I think it's just, it's too hard not to. Yeah, it hurt a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, but the facts are the facts, gentlemen. And they definitely improved that supporting cast around Derek Carr. But that, that wasn't very difficult to do when Amari Cooper was your wide receiver one. So let's be honest. <laughs> there it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's sit back and watch John Gruden screw it up. Hashtag on brand. <laughs> there you go. All right, Stompy, you got one more for us. Yeah, uh, Sterling Shepard. Uh, and this is really more, uh, this, this is a tough argument to make, but it's really more based off of vacated targets than anything. Plus the fact that he signed a, what, four-year deal this offseason to be the wide receiver one in New York. I mean, who else you're throwing to there is basically the question. Um, they're probably, they're likely playing from behind a lot this season. Golden Tate's going to operate more in that, those underneath routes. And that means that you're going to see Sterling Shepard operate in that kind of flanker role, the Emmanuel Sanders role, if you will. And there are a lot of targets missing there. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, was either either averaged or was on track for 140 plus targets in every season. And there's just nobody else there that I'm afraid of. I mean, I, I do like Evan Ingram this season because uh, we, we know what he's looked like without Odell Beckham Jr. But there's going to be a lot of stacking the box and forcing Eli to throw. And I think that Sterling Shepard benefits from that. Pretty easy argument. So you guys said that uh, Derek Carr was was kind of your favorite on the list. This is my favorite, is Sterling Shepard. I think you're absolutely right. The argument's easy to make. Look, Sterling Shepard is such an underrated player. Um, maybe not in fantasy, but just an NFL player. He he's a, he's the steady, consistent. He was the guy that was always there. Odell Beckham had his issues there. Um, you know, he, he was, you know, there were, there were always headlines around Odell Beckham, whether they were, you know, uh, narrative driven or not by the New York media is, is, you know, a different story, but this guy was always out of the headlines. He was always the guy that was there to get your 50, 60 receiving yards. He was always that steady, consistent guy to pick up the scraps from, from, you know, OBJ. And when OBJ was out, he, he solidly put together some nice performances. So I really like Sterling Shepard as a player. I think he's steady. He's consistent. You don't have to worry about him on or off the field. It seems like mentally he's always ready and prepared to play. And without Odell Beckham, like you said, Stompy, the, the thing I love that you said was, who else are you going to throw it to? You have him. You have Evan Ingram. You, I mean, you have Golden Tate. You've got a few. I, is Cody Latimer back? I don't know. That was a guy that they were kind of high on last year before the injury. But I mean, there's really no one there that I think is going to take away targets from Sterling Shepard. I think his target share increases. He's He's been pretty efficient with those targets. He's still catching passes from the same quarterback in Eli Manning. 
that I, I, I mean, we've seen Eli support in Odell Beckham. I'm not saying that Shepard is Odell Beckham, don't get me wrong, but I am saying that we've seen Eli support a fantasy wide receiver one. I think he could make Sterling Shepard a fantasy wide receiver two. And right now at his current ADP, he's not going as a, as a, as a wide receiver uh, two in fantasy. So if his upside is there, I, I, I really like it. And I don't think there's a whole lot of downside there either. Um, the only thing I, I grow concerned with is, you know, do the Giants eventually bring somebody else in to be the wide receiver one and to relegate Shepard to that two role again, um, you know, in the near future? That would be my only concern. But, um, you know, the other thing that's hooking up for him is they drafted DJ. Daniel Johnson's there, man. So uh, Daniel Jones is there. So, you know, we don't have to worry about, uh, you know, about EY for much longer because DJ is going to be going to be whipping them balls. So that that'll be a good thing for him, too. So um, just another plus in the Sterling Shepard in the Sterling Shepard uh, column. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I like this. I'm sure yeah. Bobby will be happy to hear about DJ. I know. James just had to do his his DJ cheerleading. Just had to throw that part in there. It's and a big deal, man. The guy's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. It's a big deal that they drafted him. Bobby already stopped listening. <laughs> you don't have to. Hashtag Team James. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, that, that to me is the only concern really for Sterling Shepard is the fact that you're probably going to get two different quarterbacks here in, uh, in 2019, you know, you're probably going to start with Eli Manning and I, I don't know how much, how much good that's really going to do for Sterling Shepard. I, I think that he's more likely to lock on to Golden Tate, to be totally honest, but I, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong there. But And then at some point, you're going to transition to Daniel Jones, which I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I'm still having a hard time getting on board with this Daniel Jones love, James. Like, I, I've got to see something other than dump-offs. At some point, we've got to see him actually throw the ball – down the field and show that like not only does he know how to but that he's that he's willing to and it, until then i don't i don't know how to project anything you know particularly positive for sterling shepherd yeah I, I i get that with with daniel jones i i guess i mean any rookie coming in i mean yeah you can you can evaluate what you've seen on tape and you can see that they have the ability to do something, but you have no idea how they're going to be utilized. If they're going to be given the opportunity to do that kind of stuff to me with Daniel Jones, when you watch the tape, his offensive line was stunk. I mean, this guy, he didn't get to play at Ohio state. He didn't get to play at Oklahoma. He got to play at Duke. I mean, this is like a college basketball school that just plays football on the side. Like, his supporting cast was terrible. So when you don't have time to throw the ball downfield, it's pretty tough to sling it down there very often. Um, you know, you kind of start seeing ghosts after you've been hit so many times. So I think once he settles in and he realizes that, hey, look, this offensive line's actually okay, because the Giants offensive line I think is okay and getting better. Um, I think I think he'll be he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally understand uh the concern of catching catching balls from two different quarterbacks, one that you've never caught the ball from. Um, so that's duly noted. I, I I definitely think that that is a valid concern. Yeah. For dynasty purposes, though, I could see it. I mean, you know, you you 
you know, get a full year of Daniel Jones throwing to Sterling Shepard, even if it's, you know, just in training camp and in practice and things like that. I mean, at some point that's gonna, that's all going to come together. Um, but for 2019, um, I, it, I don't know. It, it's to me, it's nothing special. It's nothing to get too excited about, I guess. Um, but we'll see. So I'm going to go with Joe Flacco as my last guy here. Um, just of course to, you just are. To, just to throw in some Broncos Homer, Homerism. But uh, so Joe Flacco goes to a much better offensive system. Start with that. I mean, start with the fact that you bring in Rich Scangarello from San Francisco, from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, and he's he's going to try and implement the exact same offense. And then you go draft the best, most athletic tight end in this rookie class and give him, you know, essentially George Kittle when Joe Flacco already has a propensity to throw to the tight ends over and over and over. And then on top of all that, I, you've, you've got Cortland Sutton who, and Deshaun Hamilton who are both, you know, and, and Tim Patrick, for that matter, to me, Tim Patrick is is a very deep sleeper that people need to consider uh, for Dynasty Leagues for the cost of essentially nothing. And those are downfield threats. That's the that's the only real way that Joe Flacco gets away from the tight end, gets away from the the short stuff to the to the tight ends into the running backs is when. He just, it, it's so bizarre to me, but he just kind of randomly decides to just start throwing up Hail Marys, essentially. And it works for him every time he does that. He just, he can outthrow any defense in this league. It's just a matter of him deciding to do it. So, I mean, you, he, he goes to a, a, a system and an offense with, with weapons that just make way more sense for his talents and his competencies than what he had in Baltimore. And then on top of all that, you draft a quarterback in the second round who, I mean, you know, all, all, all biases aside here. I mean, Drew Locke is not meant to be a guy who gets on the field in 2019. Probably not super early in 2020 either. This is a long-term project. So, you know, Joe Flacco's also got a certain amount of job security here, and he's got a defense that can help him win games, which is, which is the whole key to maintaining that job is the fact that they, they feel like he can get them to the playoffs. And the reality is that that defense can get them to the playoffs and Joe Flacco can ride that wave. Man, this is, this is going to be one I'm I I'm going to disagree with because hmm yeah I I'm intrigued I and he, and I don't know if it's an argument against it got worse or it's a lateral move or what have you but I mean if you if you look at what he had last season he had a capable I mean he had three capable wide receivers I'm not a Crabtree fan he was Coming out, I mean, he's already torn an Achilles. He's slow, but I mean, you saw a great pairing in Flacco and John Brown last season, um, and even even in the first few weeks, Joe Flacco was actually extremely good. 
so the first uh, four games of last season, he had uh, eight touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, he had 236 or more passing yards, and that 236, he only played three quarters against Buffalo when they beat him 47-3. to And then after that, the wheels kind of fell off a little bit. Um, but it's just it's tough to say this is a this is a better situation i guess i do think no offense is better than mark andrews um but it's hard to say that his wide receivers are going to be better I, so i'll say this i i think it, the the bronco situation is better with flacco i just don't know if it's true inversely yeah, that's interesting to me, Stompy, because the beginning of last season, we saw Joe Flacco, the quarterback that was ahead of Lamar Jackson. And I know how high you are on Lamar Jackson. And you not it, you not seeing that this in Denver with Drew Locke behind him isn't an improved situation is, is definitely puzzling to me. It makes me think that you must like Drew Locke almost as much as you like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um no, just kidding. I, I, what? I actually, <laughs> no, what that, kind of? That's where I was going to go with mental this. So no, gymnastics. Yeah. Not, not, not kidding. That. What yeah, kind of mental I, gymnastics? It's 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 all right. It, you can you can hop on the Drew Lock bandwagon. Oh, I've been no, driving I'm, it for a I'm, while. Okay, I'm not. I'm not even. I like Drew Lock at his value. I know John doesn't, and that can be a that's whole other. That can be its own episode for John just to rant about Drew Lock. Um, I like that. Let's, let's do it. But yeah, let's do it now. Let's well, do it now. Back this whole thing up. Start it over from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Nope, no, no. I don't. We don't even need to be here for this yeah, stuff. Dude, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Bye. Uh, so, so I'll say this. Can you can you point to a connection or one of the pass catchers on the Broncos that was that would be this a similar connection as John Brown was last season? is my thing. So I don't like Dejon Hamilton this season, just because first and foremost, except for last season with Willie Sneed, you rarely have seen, um, you've rarely seen Joe Flacco use a true slot receiver. Yes. You can argue Steve Smith played from the slot when he was with, but do you really think he was a slot receiver? Uh, you could argue Jeremy Macklin even, but Jeremy Macklin only played like a quarter of his snaps from the slot. So, I mean, I don't like Dejon Hamilton. Uh, Tim Patrick's interesting, but he's definitely not the deep threat that John Brown was. Cortland Sutton, I think, is is better than Michael Crabtree, but he's young. He's only in his second, second season. He had issues with his hands last season. Uh, he's had issues with his hands before in college. So there's just a lot of question marks centering around this these pass catchers because they're all extremely young. Whereas like last season, you had three capable pass catchers that were veterans. So yeah. man, that is such a tough. I'm. You think Baltimore's pass catching options were better than Denver's? Are I'm not. I, I here's the thing. I don't know it. That that's the thing is I, I don't know talent wise. No, but. There's just a lot of question marks surrounding those pass catchers, you know? Yeah. Like I, like I, I get said, that. like sure. Sutton, Sutton just has questions about his hands and being that wide receiver one. How's he going to fare against those top cornerbacks? Um, Tim Patrick's kind of an enigma to me. 
Dejon Hamilton, I, I really like Dejon Hamilton as a wide receiver. I just don't know if Flacco is going to use him. I don't know if Rich Scran, uh, Scandrell is going to use him. I do like Noah Fant, but again, this is another uh, rookie tight end, and we know how rookie tight ends generally fare. And I, I don't know if that necessarily applies to Noah Fant. I do really like Noah Fant this year, but in general, like going in, if you if I compare the pass catchers from last season with Baltimore to the pass catchers with the Denver Broncos, I would trust the Baltimore Ravens pass catchers of 2018 over the pass cat the 2019 Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I understand that a little to an extent because I know Stompy, you're you're one of those guys who you want to see them prove it before you're going to rely on them, and and I get that. You know that that is not that's not a flawed system at all to to you know way to approach it. Um, I would say this much. First off, I think Flacco. We've seen Flacco use the tight end and the running back in the passing catching game an awful lot. Um, it sounds like this offense is going to utilize that type of system too. I think the tight end position is an improvement. Um, last year, you can say Mark Andrews was was very good, and that's fine. But he was a rookie too, you know. And and so now we have Noah Fant, who I think is coming in. Um, I, I think. I, I don't know that anyone would disagree that he's more highly regarded than Mark Andrews was last year coming in. Um, I think he's the better tight end. I think he has more talent and I like Mark Andrews an awful lot, but I think that that position is better. And as far as pass catching backs go, I mean, I think Denver has that over what Baltimore had last year as far as pass catching backs go. Um, so I think in those two key areas that Joe Flacco is going to work on this field, I trust what Denver has. Um, uh, just as much, if not more, than what Baltimore had going into last year. Um, the receiver position, I kind of understand. Like you said, you know, th there's some trust issues there. I do think, though, that talent-wise, like you said, it, it is better. Denver's situation is better. And uh, so on paper, I think it's an upgrade. Um, he's also got Drew Locke. And even though I've been a Drew Locke fan, I don't think he's anywhere near the the type of player that Lamar Jackson is as far as from a playmaking standpoint and you know, it, it just, the writing was on the wall. I mean, with the type of quarterback that Lamar Jackson is, Flacco just wasn't going to fit into that system that they were going to run or have to run to kind of incorporate Lamar Jackson. And that's even just, you know, bootlegs, moving, uh, moving the quarterback, running the option, whatever they wanted to do, um, they could do with Lamar Jackson in that regard. They couldn't do it with Flacco. Whereas to me, Flacco and, and Locke are going to be close to the same type of quarterback. They're not going to have to change the system. So to me, that, that gives a little bit more time for Locke to learn and for you know for Flacco to really prove himself in that system so I think it is it's to me it's an upgrade um I I totally understand kind of where you're coming from Stompy though uh but I I think it is an upgrade so I I, I agree with John here I I'll say I guess I'll say this I think this ceiling is higher for this team for for the Broncos with Flacco or I guess Flacco ceiling is higher but I also see the floor is a lot lower um, so I, like I said, I love, I, I do like the talent of the pass catchers for the Broncos. I just don't know. I, there's just a lot of questions for me. The, so, so that's why I say lateral move just because I think the pass catchers in general are better, but the trust isn't there for me. I mean, I think that part is fair to say, I, I, I really think that trying to compare the two the two sets of weapons is, is kind of comparing apples and oranges a little bit. I mean, yeah, you don't have John Brown, 
with the the deep speed. But last year he didn't have Cortland Sutton type ability to go up and get a jump ball. So you know, there's there's there there's some strengths to this team where they had weaknesses in Baltimore and vice versa. So it's it that makes it tough to say. I think the the big point, like James said, is just kind of the job security. You know, last year he had Lamar Jackson just looming at all times. And this year, I, I really don't think that Drew Locke gets on the field anytime soon. But and to me, that's that's where the the situation improves the most for Joe Flacco. It's just the fact that he's going to be on the field for all of 2019 and probably into 2020. Whereas, you know, last year it was just a it was just a matter of time before Lamar Jackson was going to take that over. Um, but I think I like I said, I think it's fair to say that there's all that as far as fantasy productivity productivity, I'm not totally sure what the floor is. I don't think I can see that deep into the into the abyss. There's a chance that this is just awful. I don't think that it will be, but there's that there's definitely that possibility but anyways we got one more guy to talk about james has him what do you got james yeah i'm going to go to the wide receiver position and i'm going to go to the guy i've nicknamed teflon because nothing seems to stick to him even suspensions or <laughs> what should be suspensions and that's robbie anderson um lately but- there's always this like hint of sour grapes in just about all of your analysis yeah Hate, 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 hate. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, though, no, with, with Robbie Anderson, though, I mean, his his situation with the Jets, I think, got better. Um, we're seeing Sam Darnold enter his second season in this offense. Um, the Jets are... Uh, the, the the Jets right now seem to be a little bit of a mess. I mean, they, they brought in a new head coach, obviously, um, and they just, just got rid of their GM, and now it looks like Adam Gase is kind of the interim GM, and he's he's making moves, and it comes out that he didn't really want Le'Veon Bell and that sort of thing. But the, the one thing we don't hear anything about is Robbie Anderson, and I feel like the presence of Le'Veon Bell, whether, whether Adam Gase wanted to pay him or not, the presence of Le'Veon Bell is just going to help Robbie Anderson. When you have a running game, you have a guy that uh, you you know your young quarterback can kind of lean on, um, can kind of use for dump offs. It's going to open up the rest of the field for a guy like Robbie Anderson. He didn't have really anybody on the opposite side that could take pressure away from him. Um, you know, they had Christopher Herndon who did some things at the tight end position, but um, other than that, they didn't really have a consistent threat in the receiving game that could help Robbie Anderson. I think they have that with Le'Veon Bell. I think you're going to see um, some teams have to stack the box a little bit to try to stop bell um some teams that are going to focus some more um you know uh, more coverage towards Le'Veon bell we know that he's an excellent pass catching back um out of the backfield and again sam darnold second year in the nfl i think is going to help him he's he's been with robbie anderson now for two years so they kind of know each other and are developing a rapport so i think everything kind of surrounding robbie anderson is good news also they didn't bring in a top option you know to to relegate him to a wide receiver too it looks like he's still going Going to be the, the main wide receiver in this offense. And for some reason, I don't know what he's got on Roger Goodell, but he's like suspension proof. So, you know, you got that built in too. So <laughs> I, I really think that R- Robbie Anderson's situation has, has improved, um, has improved significantly. What do you guys think? <laughs> because he hasn't, hasn't been suspended or arrested. His Te- situation so his, are you, are, his nickname is now Teflon Rob. Is that right? Instead of Teflon Don. <laughs> Teflon, Teflon Rob. Rob. Yeah, I love it. 
<laughs> I I guess here's my thing is I I don't know what they added that take that that improves Robbie Anderson's situation. I I think his situation improves just with a, another year with Sam Darnold. Um, maybe adding Lev Bell helps because now now you actually have a legitimate running back threat. But yeah, I mean. You added an, another slot receiver, um, which I don't know if that's really going to take away because uh, anything or, or if that helps Robbie Anderson because Quincy Anunua was an extremely capable slot receiver. They really needed to add an outside threat, and I don't think they did that. So improved in terms of, yes, getting another year with Darnold, but improved in terms of, um, personnel and, and head coaching changes, I'm not so sure. What about Quincy Inunua? Do you guys feel like he has any any opportunity here to uh, to jump back? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, he missed all of, of 2018, but in 2017, and I mean, early on in 2018, or no, he didn't, he did play somewhat in 2018, right? It was 2017 that he missed. Prior to that, he looked like he was going to be just an absolute superstar. And now, I th- i mean, I think he's finally back healthy. I think he's finally kind of worked back into the system. I, are, are we just going to write him off as, as their version of Devontae Parker? Or do you think that there's actually an opportunity for here for him to take on a role that would affect Robbie Anderson? I, I so um Aton on Dynasty Diagnostic disagrees with me on this. I I think that Anunwa will be fine on the outside in a flanker role. He's built like a bigger wide I mean a, a, a outside wide receiver. I believe he's 6'2, 230, something like that. Like he's a big guy, and in 2016, I believe he led the NFL in deep ball uh, percentage or reception percentage. I'd have to look that up and make sure, but I believe that's true. And while yes, I I do think he, he would be, he's great as a big slot. I think he will be fine as a flanker type wide receiver on the jets. But not, not necessarily good enough to really cut into Robbie Anderson and no, and really. I mean, I mean, Robbie R- Robbie Anderson is more of that outside deep threat. Yeah, um, he's not the extra sure. receiver. He he's not built like a possession receiver, whereas Quincy Anunwa is. So no, I, I think Robbie Anderson has. He, he's going to be more of like let's say the Tyler Lockett role, you know, where you're going to get more deep balls, you're going to get yard uh, better yards per reception. Um, but you're not necessarily going to get the volume. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you guys a question to kind of answer that um, a little bit. What What is your guys' take on Adam Gase's offense when he was the coordinator there in Denver? I know he had success. What What do you guys remember? Kind of what type of receivers he highlighted, or what kind of routes he highlighted when he was in Denver? Um, because I'm curious to see, you know, the type of player profile that would uh, would fit an Adam Gase offense that would have success there. Um, yeah. 
because to me, Robbie Anderson's the most talented there. Um, I still think he's more talented than Quincy Anunua, but I mean, there's more than one receiver spot on the field. And I think, you know, more than one receiver can be fantasy relevant in this offense, especially when we saw that from Denver when he was there. So what do you, what did you guys see there in Denver uh, and how we utilize the receiver position and whether or not Quincy Anunua would fit into his system based on what we saw then? So I, I saw Peyton Manning. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I don't think you can glean anything from the Broncos. I think you can glean a lot from the Dolphins. What about the Bears? I mean, I guess th- this is this is my thing is with the Dolphins as the head coach. Um, I don't know. I, it's been said that he he uh, Adam Gase already is planning on taking a more active role in the offense in New York than he did in Miami. Um, so I'm I'm wondering when he had control of the offense, which would have been in Denver and in Chicago, kind of what he what he did because I'm I'm assuming that there's going to be changes from what happened in Miami to to what's going to happen here in New York, and I'm assuming that you know it's going to look a little bit closer to what it looked like back then. So um, I mean you I, you got to take into account his personnel. So in Denver he had Demarius Thomas. Uh, Demarius Thomas was dominant when. Um, in those Peyton Manning years. And then in Chicago, he had Alshon Jeffrey. Now Alshon Jeffrey was injured, but those are the type of personnel um, or the wide receivers that he had as an offensive coordinator. But then you go into Miami and he had Devonte Parker would, I guess, fit that mold the most, but I mean, obviously Devonte Parker was extremely disappointing. So he leaned on Jarvis Landry uh, for, for, two seasons and then even even after that um albert wilson was probably his wide receiver one of before he got injured because kenny stills showed flashes but i think albert wilson uh for i guess the first seven games was probably his best wide receiver so it's hard to say i don't think they had the i mean well i know this the jets don't have a wide receiver like demarius thomas or alshon jeffrey they do have a wide receiver like um, Jarvis Landry, like Albert Wilson. They actually have two of those guys in uh, Jamison Crowder and Quincy Inunua. So how those two will be employed is, is the question for me. I think Robbie Anderson has his own role. They're going to throw the ball deep, but he's just not going to get a ton of volume. Whereas, like, I could definitely see Jamison Crowder kind of having a resurgent season next season. So here's the thing for me when it comes to Adam Gase. To me, the quote-unquote Adam Gase offense is not – it's not a real thing. It's it's kind of a – it's it's pretty abstract. It's – and it's a little bit fugazi just in general. I mean, and it's very overblown. The entire thing because and here's how I know he had he made Julius Thomas a top three tight end here in Denver and then absolutely ignored Julius Thomas in Miami exact same guy nothing had changed so to me I I, I think what I think about Adam Gase is that the offense is really kind of there, there's quite a bit of uh, of freedom for the quarterback to to find the guys that he wants to look for that he wants to target and i i 
absolutely agree with Stompy. I mean, I think that Peyton Manning was the real offensive coordinator here in Denver at the time. I think Adam Gase was kind of a figurehead and I mean, he was, he was there to teach Brock Osweiler. He was there to, you know, to work with the wide receivers and get them ready to go out on the field with Peyton Manning and his high standards of play. But I, I don't think that there was a, a whole lot of actual coordinating going on there. Um, but I, I also think that uh, I, I, I don't know how much he really did in Miami or Chicago. Either. Well, he, here's the thing in Chicago. I mean, he took over that offense. John Fox was the head coach, and we all know John Fox, the defensive mind. He's not hands-on on the offense. I mean, all reports were that he he was more hands-on on the defense by far than he was the offense. So I got to think that Adam Gase was kind of kind of orchestrating that offense a little bit more. And maybe that's the answer because he was working with Jay Cutler. And I don't, I, I don't think Jay Cutler was given the same free reign that Peyton Manning would have been right. Um, in that season though, Jay Cutler put up his second highest completion percentage of his career and threw the fewest interceptions in a full season in his career. Um, so he definitely had success there and that's what sprung him to get the head coaching job in 2016. So he was only there a year but that offense really excelled and it looked like the passing game really excelled there. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't really know. I'd have to dig a little bit further into to what players were, uh, were really highlighted that season for Chicago. Um, like you said, uh, Stompy, I know Alshon Jeffrey was there, but I don't know what type of season he had. I don't know um, how they highlighted and how they utilized some of the other targets that they had there. Uh, but that's something that I would dig into to kind of see. Um, but for the time being, I do think that Robbie Anderson's the most talented pass catcher there, um, even though I like Quincy Anunua. Um, and I do, I do think that he can he can have a role in this offense and be f- fantasy relevant for sure. Um, you know, I, I would have to dig in a little bit further to see kind of what uh, what has happened in some of Gates' other stops, especially in Chicago, because uh, like we talked about, it seemed like you know with uh, that that was probably the position he had the most the most say in in actually orchestrating that offense. So, very possibly to me, it's just the the Adam Gase offense is Gase kind of guides the offense. He facilitates the offense much more than he directs the offense. And I think we're going to see that in New York. I and I think that we're going to see some some efficiency from Sam Darnold. The unfortunate part is we don't know for sure where that's going to come from. I think Robbie Anderson probably has the best chance at it. I mean, you know, with Sam Darnold as a rookie, you know, it, Robbie Anderson was the primary target. So and and Chris Herndon still got a a certain amount of a volume as well. And I don't think that that's going to change. I think that it's all based on what does Sam Darnold feel the most comfortable with. That's what we're going to do to me. That's the Adam Gase offense. So yeah, I, I, I think that it's really overblown uh, the way, the way we just kind of disregard certain, certain pieces of the Adam Gase offense just because Adam Gase is there now. So uh, but the Robbie Anderson one, I, I yeah, I mean, I, based on that, I think that Robbie Anderson is absolutely in a in a much better situation because now he's got a year with the quarterback, and the quarterback is the the one that makes this whole thing go. So um, I don't care personally about the fact that uh, he may or may not get suspended. Uh, I don't. <laughs> um, I I think that that whole thing is uh, it's funny how how 
James gets so offended by the fact that he had when you can when you can say what he said to a police officer and read it in the police report, yeah. and this guy doesn't get suspended, but like if you are sus if you're even so like so if, if, if you may, in fairy dust, yeah, if and, you may have if you may have even been in the same year. room as someone who smoked marijuana, you're suspended four games, but this guy can pretty much say he's going to violate a police officer's wife. And the NFL is like, ah, whatever. It's I, no big deal. It's fine. You're, you're good for 16. Like, <laughs> I, I, there's got to be something there. Like, he's got pictures of Goodell doing something. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Man, you're just like, yeah. Yeah, so apparently since Robbie Anderson already has a the proverbial horseshoe up his ass, he's in for a huge year. Uh, and uh, – doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he might just have really good lawyers or something. I don't know. I, I, every NFL player should be hitting up his lawyer at this point. If that's <laughs> the case. And one, one last thing, and this is not NFL related, but it's NHL related hand passes suck. And they should be that, that's they, sh they should be outlawed. You shouldn't be able to do a hand pass. And when an overtime game ends that way, ugh, dude, it ruins my night. But anyways, well, so you, you do know that, Hand passes are actually illegal, but for some reason the uh, the replay rules are all messed up in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and then how do you miss that call? It's on the goal. It's pretty much right in front of the goal crease in an overtime game. To miss that is like, oh yeah. man, it's killing. Here, yeah. All right, I'm no, done. That was a lot of foreign language to me. So. I think uh, sounds like now might be a good time to wrap it up for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach out to a larger audience involve more people in the conversations and from there we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you the listener and in the vein of listener interaction send us your trades on twitter at superflex show you can also send them to any one of us individually stompy is at ff stompy james is at underscore james the brain and i'm at superflex dude we can retweet those trade polls for you help you get more votes and comments and sometimes we even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Art and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Have a good day.